Wrestling Geeks We have another episode for you guys today. Uh, me and my co-host, Christopher, brother Ray Patton, we break down the latest and greatest in professional wrestling news, provide you with reviews and previews of shows. And, you know, we talk about it. If you're new listening, we appreciate thumbs up uh, and listen to us every week. We usually record the show um, on a Saturday normally, and we have it up usually Monday uh, of the next week. So check us out every single time, but I could not do this show without my co-host, like I said, Christopher Brother Ray Pato. <laughs> hey, Dane. Happy to be here, man. Excited to talk about some wrestling with you. How are you? I'm doing good, man. It's Saturday. Uh, I had a very uh, fun night last night um, by myself. Um, if anyone's wondering what that means, I did mushrooms. Anyways, but it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, today's today. And, uh, you know, I, Chris, I think I, I, I've been, uh, you know, thinking about this show that I'm going to on Sunday, on June 11th, uh, for UWF. Uh, it's it's, it's going to be a, a lot of fun at the UWF arena. Um, and it's between the champion... Nick Halen and and a guy that I know he kind of how how should I put this kind of bewilders me that's a that's a big word he kind of scares me uh, but a gentleman named Hoax um, so I'm excited I think that you're going to the same thing um, but this should be a, a fun championship match but um, all right. Let me oh. cut you off right there. I can already tell how relaxed this formatting is. So, with that lackluster introduction, ladies, gentlemen, my name is Hoax A Million T Massacre, the occult of personality, the Duke of Spook, the Doc of Shock, the Ghastly Grinner, the Grim Grinning Ghost, the Commissioner of Anarchy. But you can call me Mr. H. Are we clear? Uh, yeah, Mr. H. Uh, can we call you the excellence of exorcisms, too? Um, got a lot of uh, different monikers. Uh, how did you uh, tap into our phone call, by the way? Well, you know, uh, I have my ways, uh, the show is called Fighting Spirit, after all. All right. Um, I'm kind of scared. Chris, uh, we have a hoax who's going to be up for the championship uh, tomorrow. Uh, once again, at the UWF Arena against Nick Halen um, for the <laughs> UWF Heavyweight Championship. Um, I don't know how he got here. I'm kind of scared, and like I said earlier, bewildered. Uh, do you have any, um, I don't know, pressing questions for this gentleman? 
Yeah. I, uh, what, what qualifies you to challenge for this title belt? Didn't you just show up in this federation? Well, I believe I just gave all of my qualifications, but for those who are uninformed, I've been doing this quite a while and I have achieved greatness and I've achieved success and I've also achieved power in being the commissioner of anarchy now defunct (laughs) and all my talent went running. So I followed them. My qualifications. Qualifications are, I know every single body in that promotion, backwards, forwards. I've paid them in their little envelopes, given them their hot dogs and their handshakes. I know how everybody works. You'd be amazed how many people let their facade down when they think they're standing in front of a big oaf. I know Nick. He's got a lousy choice in merchandising as well, but there's nothing I can do about that. My qualifications are this. I'm bigger, I'm stronger, and I'm smarter than that little pipsqueak Nick Halen. Well, uh, how does how does Nick feel about all this uh, since he is the champion? Um you know, I saw you interrupt the gentleman at the end of his match uh, to propose this championship match um, hoax. Uh, or I, I'm sorry, Mr. H. I, I apologize. Um, I'm messing up my wording. Uh, but does he think that you're worthy? I mean, as a champion, he's going to go against anyone. But you seem to be very into yourself. Uh, you know, does your opponent perceive you that way? Well, I'll tell you this. Nick Halen is nothing to sneeze at. He's taken on the, some of the greatest guys there are around in independent Georgia wrestling. Joe Black, Todd Sexton. The list can go on and on and on and on. However, he's never stepped in the ring with me. And as clumsy and as oafish and as big as I am, All it's going to take is me getting my hands on him and he's not going anywhere. And I'm going to put him down and he knows that, but he's a fighting champion. He's very proud. So he's going to take on all comers, which is maybe perhaps unwise in this particular situation. I'm not saying that he doesn't stand a chance, but that chance, my friend, is very small. Because he might know a lot, but he doesn't know what I know. And that is quite a lot. Hmm. I I don't know. I'm getting. Do you plan on beating him, you know, with honor or, or do you will you do whatever, you know, whatever means necessary, basically, in that situation? Because I'm getting a lot of. uh you're going to win because you're going to win. Um, Precisely. Basically. See, I knew I knew I, I tapped into the right show. You, you have you, you said it perfect. I couldn't have said it better myself. Yes, I'm going to do anything and everything there is necessary to win. So it, I, it's what I told Nick 
when I interrupted his uh, victory celebration with all the rules and constraints that this promotion and this industry puts on all of us as talent, he's able to do what he's able to do. But I've worked inside the ring and I know how things work outside the ring. So I may or may not know a couple of loopholes. I may or may not know how to bend rules better. But let's just say that that championship is coming home with me. And then I'm going to bury it in my backyard. I just feel like this might be something where you're abusing your power or your past power uh, to get in the situation in general. Um, but it, it seems like, you know, you being ex-commissioner, you being involved with this whole entire ex, thing, you even no, admitting. This is no abuse of authority. And I am not ex-commissioner. I am current operating and owner of Anarchy Commissioner. What good is anarchy without a little direction anyway? Hmm? Abuse of authority. This is, I've earned this. I have every right to go where I please and do as I please. And nobody's going to tell me that I can or can't because I am running things. Are we clear, Dane? Crystal. I thought so. Mr. H, I apologize on behalf of my uh, co-host here. I guess he might it's like another Ken Shamrock. <laughs> this does remind us when we interviewed Ken Shamrock at this point. Uh, so, uh, Mr. H, just talking about your past here, uh, do you have a favorite opponent you faced? Is is there someone that's taken you to the limit? Well, it's kind of hard to judge, you know, when you're not trying your hardest and you're and you're achieving wins. It's it's really hard to determine who might be your best. I would have to say, currently, of all the people that I've faced, the only one that really pushed me to the limit. You might have heard of him, C.T. Keys. I went after his championship a couple years ago in HCW, and it was quite a battle. He's the only one who, uh, I don't know, made me feel a little something. <laughs> made you feel like a joker, maybe, Mr. H? Real funny. Ha, ha. Uh, is that what you want? Is that what all you fans think you're so funny? Oh, hey, it's a joke. Hey, 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 Beetlejuice. You know what? I have my own identity, and I'm going to show everybody that is not the case. I am a truly unique individual. And if I happen to make you laugh, well, maybe that's just a testament to my sense of humor. Hmm. <laughs> I feel like you'd be laughing at brutal moments uh, within matches. I don't know if people are going to respond that way, too, unless they might be a little bit, I don't know, I'm not trying to diagnose you, but, you know, more on the uh, crazy side. Um, crazy? I don't know. I, I am nothing but sane. This is the true face of sanity. I'm not operating beyond my control. I know what I'm doing. And I'm doing it for the greater good. I don't think you gentlemen understand that I'm going to put this business 
out of its misery. These fans are going to have to find something else to do on Friday and Saturday and Sunday nights because it's not going to be wrestling in Georgia. I'm going to beat Nick Halen. I'm going to take his championship and I'm going to hide it away from the world. And then I'm going to move on to the next place and I'm going to do the same thing. It'll probably be Jacob Ashworth. And then I'm going to have to beat him senseless, that poor soul. And then I'm going to have to take his championship and I'm going to move up the ladder until there's nothing but a barren wasteland of wrestling. And then everybody's going to drive by with me, mom, papa, and be like, man, I sure wish we could go watch that wrestling. I met hoax had to go ruin it all with everything. And I'm going to sit Miss- there on my smoldering heap and laugh. That's when you're going to get a laugh out of me. <laughs> um, I, I, oh, I, you guys. I, I think we're both. Uh, I don't know. Um, wow. So what? I don't know, Chris, what, what, what do you have to say for Hoax? Or uh, Mr. H. Dang it, I keep on screwing up on that. Uh, miss, Mr. H, uh, apologies once again, but if you do this, you're, you're basically insinuating you're going to kill wrestling in Georgia. I don't, I don't know how I personally feel about that, but uh, how, how, do, how does the rest of the locker room feel about this? Uh, I mean, you're putting a big really care. I don't care. Really care. I don't care what you think. I don't care what the boys think. I don't care what the promoters think because it's not about them. It's about the entirety of the uselessness of this whole thing that we call independent wrestling. Everybody's destroying their bodies for mindless fans for nothing. And I'm going to put an end to it all. It's going to be the best for everybody. And if they still want to, well, boy, they're going to have to drive pretty far to go wrestle somewhere else. Because there's not going to be anywhere left in Georgia, not on my watch. Well, we can't say that you don't have goals, Mr. H. Um, What is a successful man without goals? Exactly. Especially when the ending includes destruction essentially, of uh, Georgia indie wrestling. Um, I think it's had a good run. Now it's time for old Yeller to go out behind the barn, and we all know what happens on that page, don't we? So should Mr. H, should we refer to this as Mr. H's uh, Sherman's March almost? That's basically what you're putting out there. I mean, that's it's not a great thing. Well, I, I don't know. That sounds rather admirable when you put it in such terms. I never thought of it that way. I perhaps should be taking this more seriously than I am. That's that's very good. I like that. Yes. Hmm. You know, really what it comes down to is everywhere I've gone, they don't want me there, and somehow I managed to get in there, and then they prove they don't want me there, but now I have the opportunity to eliminate there in general. And call that what you will. You know, we all have goals, as Dane put it. And perhaps maybe 
you know, when you invented peanut butter, the guy probably was looked at like a maniac and now he's made millions for his family. You know, you have to take these risks in order to truly rebuild. You have to burn down what is already there. And then in its place, I'm not going to rebuild. I'm going to let it remain barren as a reminder. Perhaps maybe you should think about how you treat others before they're provoked into doing something that might be considered destructive. Wow. Um, all right. Well, let me go over the card real quick. Uh, this is going to be on June 11th uh, tomorrow as we're recording on a Saturday, 4.30 p.m. We have the Fighting Spirit over at the UWF. Uh, the UWF Arena is located at 6687 Highway 72 West, Colbert, Georgia. Uh, basically tickets, uh, $10, and kids under 12 or $5. Uh, such a fun atmosphere for family friendliness that will probably be destroyed by our guest. Uh, Mr. H is going against Nick Halen, like I said, for the UWF Heavyweight Championship. I'm going to be honest with you, Mr. H. You know, yes. even, even, even though that our conversation's been a little aggressive, I would say, um, I hope you actually win the championship. Um, and Nick is a, a great champion, but I hope you win that. Just so Tommy Rich comes for you and takes you out, since he is the original champion from Georgia. I hope uh, he comes for you. I see. Somebody say something about firing up. <laughs> go on, go on. There's There are some honorable names that ought to be mentioned. You're doing a fine job. Your education skills are exceeding. Continue. Well, Austin Aries maybe will come from WWE or uh, Cody, any of them. Uh, Joe Black, you mentioned him earlier, probably one of the best wrestlers in Georgia right now. I hope they come for you, and I hope mm. they get that title off of you and stop you because you need someone. You need someone of force, and I don't care how old Mr. Rich is. I hope he comes for you. I hope they all come for you. Every Atlanta legend comes for you since you're trying to destroy Georgia indie wrestling. That's uh, I'm shaking in my boots. <laughs> well, I mean, Dana, I, I am on your side with this one, Mr. H, you kind of give me the creeps, buddy. And, uh, I, I'm going to wish you the best in your match, but, uh, I, I I'm going the other way. I think Nick might have your number, sir. Hmm. Well, well, I guess we're just going to have to come out and watch and see the future of Ultimate Wrestling Federation turn dark. And that will be a scary time. Um, but uh, thank you very much, Mr. H, for this interview, regardless of how I have a little bit of animosity towards you. Uh, but, you know, I, like I said, I hope you do the best so you get the best coming back at you uh, afterwards to help out Georgia wrestling in general. Well, I appreciate your kind words. It almost reminds me of being a kid back home. <laughs> oh, hey. 
By the yeah. way, I I was hanging earlier. I actually have to go get my homeboy out of the waiting room through the back door. Shiki baby is waiting for me. So I'm going to cut this short. And you guys just come out to old Colbert, Georgia. And you watch me beat Nick Halen. And I hope all of you listeners out there are aware that there's a change coming. Well, I'll see um, you gentlemen in the dark. <laughs> you know, I would, I would tell you to let yourself out, but you let yourself in. So I think that you know how to do that. Um, I, I have no clue how he jumped on in the first place, but, uh, Oh, Mr. H, uh, Chris, uh, hoax has left the building, uh, and kind of provided us with something we were going to go into, uh, originally, and that is the death of the Iron Sheik. And, uh, let me just say that, I mean, he's insinuating, uh, communication basically with the afterlife, uh, and, uh, you know, un- unfortunately, like we said, she passed away. Um, Chris, uh, you know, it- it's weird. We-, we went over all these accolades, and they're doing a, a rerun of the A or not AEW, um, the the uh, A and E biography for the Iron Sheik this Sunday. Which, if you didn't get a chance to watch it, I would definitely check it out. He is. Uh, you know, a legend within professional wrestling won the title from Bob Acklin, who had it for way fucking too long and was the inevitable person to give the title, if you will, to Hulk Hogan to start off Hulkamania. Uh, one of the most revered heels in the business, I would say. Um, and just for, for not, for coming in here and not knowing English, one of the best promos. I would say, as a heel of all time. Um, and not only that, just talking, probably, arguably, one of the best, um, and I, I, I'll put it over Undertakers, because I know a lot of people love that, but to me, when he got into the Hall of Fame for WWE, he had probably one of the best interviews. Or not interviews, but uh, inductions, I would say, Chris. Yeah, it was a great Hall of Fame speech. They really, you know, the more people laughed, the more he kept going, and it was just a lot of fun. I think my personal favorite, maybe because it's been so recently, was Rey Mysterio's. Uh, but Iron Sheik is definitely top tier when it came to induction speech. Man's an absolute legend. I mean, it just it, it, the, even just the story of him coming to America is kind of crazy as like a high profile. Uh, actual amateur wrestler who became a bodyguard for the Ayatollah and his wife, and then kind of deferring to America to become, you know, a, a training coach here for our Olympic team, and then getting into the professional wrestling business out in, you know, Minnesota, where he originally met Hulk Hogan and I believe trained with Vern Gagne. Um, it's it's kind of a wild and crazy story just be- before we ever even get to the Iron Sheik that we kind of know and love. Like he, he he almost has like a Diamond Dallas Page thing with his career where he was older before he really blew up like and became the next, you know, the biggest thing in wrestling. Um, so to hear some of these stories, you know, that it seems like everyone has a Sheik story. 
it's it's always fun to go back and revisit those. Uh, he passed away at 81 years old. There's some debate on even how old he he actually is. Some say he's 80. Some say he's 81. Some say he's 84. Uh, it kind of just even provides more of like the the man, the myth, the legend a little bit. But uh, great matches. I mean, one of my favorite hills from the WWF. Let's say rock and wrestling era. I was not a not as big of a fan of that growing up. I, as as everyone who's listened to the show before knows, I kind of grew up more on Georgia Championship Wrestling and then WCW. Uh, the WWF stuff kind of came later for me, but out of those, it, it's just such a great character. And him facing off with Bob Backlund and making him do the club challenge, which Bob Backlund was able to complete, and then in, in doing so hurts his own neck, and then the Sheik takes the title from him just to set up a match with the next big thing, Hulk Hogan. But what people don't really talk about there is that uh, the feud that comes after that with Sheik, the, the boot camp stuff with Sergeant Slaughter, was outselling everything Hogan was doing. Uh, that was just such a huge feud, and he, I mean – Man was an absolute legend, man, and it he creates a new online persona with the help of uh, I can't think of the two brothers' names from Canada that that handle his Twitter. Uh, that <laughs> even even though it wasn't always directly his words, it, it created this other persona of the Sheik that I think will always live on. Um, if if not in anything else, his meme formats on Twitter will live on maybe long after the wrestling business is gone, which is kind of crazy to think about. But there's a couple of great documentaries about him. I think the one that was independently released is a little better than the WWE one. It goes it's goes a little darker. It talks about some so it's almost more of like a dark side type documentary just because it goes into the death of his daughter and some of that stuff. Um but yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of crazy to think about. Uh, I, I was very very sad. My wife was very sad. She loves uh, Papa Chic, as she likes to call him, uh, referencing the you know the Rock, uh, the young Rock, I should say. But uh, yeah, man, do you, do you have a favorite Chic moment or a favorite Chic match? Um, I think the match with him and uh, getting the title from Bob Backlund would probably be one of the better ones. <clears throat> but uh, we have to realize, like you said, the DDP concept. By the time that he actually got over here and was with Vern Gagne, he was in his late 30s. Uh, so when he got the belt, he was about to be into his 40s. So from a guy that was on the, you know, a silver medalist on the Iranian Olympic team, um, incredible wrestler i think the thing that sucks the most is like and you said that as it's, it's not a big deal he wasn't um the ayatollahs uh it was actually the person before him um that he was the uh, corresponding um security if you will for i don't know what the gentleman's name is but uh and fled basically when the change happened in iran so he went from Olympian for that country and also being the, the security for the main person in power to fleeing that country in fear for his life, coming over here, like you said, meeting Vern Gagne, being a, well, there was this class from Vern Gagne that uh, all graduated around the same time, included people like, I don't know, Ric Flair, 
Ricky Steamboat and Sheiky himself. Um, I forgot what his alias was before the Iron Sheik, but he was that guy first as a baby face because he was one of the right-hand men to Vern Gagne, uh, but then perceived basically as a heel uh, throughout his career. And um, I'll just go with Jim Cornette. The one thing that sucks, if Sheik makes his debut and becomes more of a prominent wrestler in the 70s, and maybe doesn't go to, and you know, who knows what happens, but doesn't go to, I believe he went to Tennessee and kind of made his way before he got to the WWF. God, if they found him in Georgia Championship Wrestling or, um, you know, Florida Wrestling, a lot of places where the main owner was known for basically like actual wrestling, you would have seen matches with him and Jack Briscoe. You would have seen matches with him uh, and Danny Hodge. You know, some of the great grapplers of that time would have loved a heel like the Iron Sheik to work with because not only was he able to really get the audience to go against him and embrace that concept of essentially racism. <laughs> well, with a, with a country that we're at war with, he's coming out, he's, he's trying to get that heat in Tennessee. He put the Ayatollah's face, you know, had Jerry... Uh, put it on the flag, and completely went out there. And from what people say, Sergeant Slaughter, Jerry Lawler, loved that heat that he could generate, um, you know, and, and do the things that he could do. It would have been nice to see him be able to go against some of those babyface, excellent in-ring wrestlers from the 70s that, besides Bob Backlund, he didn't really get to touch. He never really grappled with. Uh, and that was also, like I said, a short feud, but shows you two great wrestlers, um, wrestlers, wrestlers, if you will, both collegiate wrestlers, and Bob Backlund would not drop that title to anyone that would not be able to beat him in real life. That is the reason why they went with the Iron Sheik, and that says a lot about his credibility outside of it. And I'll just leave it at this. Kurt Angle says, and I believe him, that his number one choice to have a feud with out of any wrestler Besides Bret Hart, because I know that he says that one too. <laughs> but is the Iron Sheik, because he says that if he could have gone back in that time period and been a babyface as the Olympic champion going against them, they would have generated a lot of money. And I completely agree with them. He was an incredible wrestler. We saw him towards the end of essentially his wrestling abilities when he was the highest in popularity, but also just having no problem being that heel, uh, and, you know, Iran number one, America for two. He'll go down as one of the most, I don't know, uh, charismatic wrestlers of all time in the biggest heel regard, Chris. Yeah, and, and just as in that time of the 80s where almost everyone was this broad comic book character, or villain, or, or cartoon character almost, he was definitely one of the best and easily a Hall of Famer, which he's already been inducted for. I'm so happy that that is the case. There would have been reason not to induct him, uh, you know, with, with the way he kind of reinvigorated his career and how sensitive WWE has been to certain things like that in the past, but... Uh, it's great that he's there. He's in there. We have the Hall of Fame speech. We have 
pretty much all of his WWF run available on the network. So his legacy will live on. And yeah, it's just it's the best thing. Some of the best stuff about Sheik is other people talking about the Sheik. I think The Rock did a uh, a great tribute video to him from his, I guess it was his home gym, talking about the Sheik and some of his childhood stories of basically being babysit by uh, the Sheik and his wife. So condolences to their family. Um, that's definitely a tough time for them. And, and just know that the Sheik is still well-beloved, and I hope he, he's up in heaven breaking people's backs <laughs> with the camel clutch. And humbling them. Humbling them with the camel clutch. I completely agree with you. And uh, that's the thing is that he just remains a, uh, a big person within um, – and he was a very loving individual. Uh, he gave back a lot. And um, I think it worked out for him, even though he was probably one of the biggest bit bad guys of all time. I mean, was he Rowdy Roddy Piper? No. But Piper also probably didn't have the hostility that would normally just happen to the Iron Sheik. But he was able to, oh, especially when Freddie Blassie was his manager, just make people hate him and when he beat Bob Backlund Bob Backlund wasn't even a love champion but it was because of how you know the, the aggressive nature of Sheik or the Iron Sheik not to be confused with Sheik uh, the Sheik uh, Sabu's you know Detroit's promoter uh, Sabu's uncle but the Iron Sheik uh, you know he just uh, just a brilliant mind for wrestling and knew how to get people to buy tickets to see people beat him and him and Sergeant Slaughter. He, a lot of people don't know this. Sergeant Slaughter was a heel before he met up with Sheiky. Sheiky is the reason why he became the babyface kind of that he was in the late eighties and then joined him as an Iraqi sympathizer. Yeah. Uh, in the early nineties when Sergeant Slaughter went heel again, uh, to go against Hulk Hogan, but just, you know, I, 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 I hope, we get some heavenly tweets every once in a while. I really do. Hulk Hogan needs to be humbled. <laughs> Continue to be humbled. I do like that Hulk Hogan took that. It seems like he took that in a little bit of good fun because he actually put out a tweet talking about how great the Sheik was and, and rest in peace. And It's kind of hard to tell with Hogan sometimes, but it seemed legitimate. I think he you know, realizes what the Sheik did for him by dropping that title to him. He could have been a dick if he wanted to. We all know the classic story of Vern wanting him to break Hogan's leg for $10,000 or whatever, uh, which I don't think is far-fetched. I know a lot of people have kind of disputed it. I know Greg himself, Greg, which is Vern Gagne's son, had disputed it. But if you think about the time period and the fact that uh, Hulk Hogan basically sent a, a fax or a letter in the mail saying, hey, I'm not going to these shows. I'm going to WWF and fucked over Vern and the AWA. I, I could I could easily see Vern making a phone call to his former student and someone who had worked in his territory to snap Hogan's legs because Vern Gagne is a crazy man. Was a crazy man. Rest in peace. Those territory owners, him, Nick Goulas, uh, Bill Watts, all of them, they were mafia. Fucking, they were they were mob bosses basically, um, and uh, lots of stories like that back then. Because at the time, uh, especially in the '80s, after they had so much prosper before cable came into the thing, and 
we started having national television in the 80s, you know, they were ruthless. So when Vince started buying up the territories and buying up the airtime for those said territories and, um, yeah, uh, lots of that type of stuff, I, I completely believe that he was – and that, that, that shows Iron Sheik, yeah, he might – from whatever story or the persona that's gone on might have hated Hulk Hogan, but he was a team player and he wasn't going to do anything. Now, I think just like Billy Graham, he probably deserved a longer run than he got. Uh, unfortunately with the heels for WWF and into the eighties with the beginning of WWF, it's like you would have Bruno beating Buddy Rogers has the title for a very long time. It's beat by Ivan Koloff, but a couple months later, Koloff gets the title on Pedro Morales, who has it for a very long time. I mean, these are the these are the title reigns that we're talking about that Roman's beating or trying to. Pedro has it for several years, gets beaten by Stan, the man Stasiak. Uh, he loses it very shortly to Bruno for his second long run. Billy Graham beats him. Billy only has it, and we just talked about the passing of Billy Graham. It's kind of crazy how this works out. Billy's definitely, like Iron Sheik, one of those guys that a lot of people wish got longer with that title. Uh, he obviously loses to Bob Backlund, who has it way longer than necessary, who loses to Sheik, who has it for a couple months to give to Hulk Hogan and start Hulkamania. So I, that's just the history of the WWF, basically, and... Uh, uh, Iron Sheik is very intricate towards that, and like I said, a legend. So I think that we've gushed about him. You guys can listen to a couple episodes ago where we talked about his biography in general, but there will be only one Iron Sheik, and what I will say, 80, 81, 84, it doesn't matter. This man lived, unfortunately, a hell of a lot longer than a lot of his peers, which is very sad. But he lived a long, fulfilling life, you know, um, and I, I, I guess that's just, you know, something that you can consider a good thing out of tragedy. So, Yeah, I mean, I guess the mat, my go-to match, if I was going to recommend, we generally try to recommend something would be uh, the Sergeant Slaughter boot camp match. I think that's probably kind of the go-to for me with Iron Sheik if I'm going to go back and watch something of his. Unfortunately, there's not a whole lot of his title run that you can find. A lot of it was like house show stuff that wasn't necessarily filmed. We were still kind of in a transition period there uh, with Vince creating what we will know as the WWF uh, in, in rock and wrestling and Hogan coming in for the Madison show. You know, it's kind of the – for me, his title reign doesn't bother me as bad because the outcome was not Bob Backlund. It was Hulk Hogan. <laughs> it's it's worse for Billy Graham because the outcome was just two – what, two or three years of Backlund as champ who the fans really – as much as they tried to do to get that guy to be a top guy. I, I think that you know if you looked across all the other territories and their heavyweight champions, he was not uh, – he definitely wasn't fucking Bruno. We'll put it that way. No, they they put Arnold Skolan with him to try to make him that even for the manager. He's the one who threw in the towel against the Iron Sheik to, you know, put Bob over 
even though he was losing, if you will, because he wouldn't tap out. But Bob Backlund really didn't make – he didn't become charismatic until his second reign, which was very short, but when he became a heel in the 90s and was crazy and kind of some of the things I see in Ilya Dragunov that kind of reminds me of that era, early 90s Bob Backlund. It's too bad that as a baby face, he couldn't just be more than – Gee golly, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out there and beat him because I'm a wrestler. You know, that that's kind of like when he went fucking nuts, that was the best part. And then seeing him come back and uh be managers for people like Kurt Angle and uh just random ass people later on. Um I love Bob, but yeah, that's definitely a boring ass era. It's it's it is also weird though, Chris, the the format for WWF to WWF compared to NWA and everything that followed, Georgia Championship, WCW. It's almost like one company, when they had longtime champions, it was always a heel. WWF, it was always a babyface. They kind of had the opposite concept throughout the 70s and the 80s. They really did, and, and a lot of that is... To me, the the more fun of the baby face is the chase, right? But uh, in WWF, it was absolutely the the always the opposite. It's more of the which is funny because WWF is doing the opposite now with Roman, <laughs> right? But it, it, in WWF, they're kind of they were kind of in a unique situation because they did have Bruno. And no one wanted to see Bruno lose. He was just so beloved that 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 puts you in a different situation where that becomes your booking mindset, I think. But uh, in a lot of these other companies, you're building up that baby face with the chase itself. So it is kind of a strange dichotomy as far as if you look at you know WWF and their booking versus what was happening in Tennessee or Memphis or Texas, uh, Georgia, even. Like it's it's just a completely different beast. There's a reason why there's a lot of heel NWA champions over the years. Yeah, I mean, 70s. If you look at it, the 70s was dominated by Bruno on WWE and Harley Race. Uh, you know, obviously Jack Briscoe had it. Uh, I think Dory Funk kind of entered it with Harley beating him uh, into the 70s, but it was. Mainly Harley Race on and off. He had like two or three reigns as champion. And then Ric Flair dominated the 80s uh, with the opposite, obviously, over in WWF between Bruno, Pedro, uh, Bruno again, Bob Acklin, Hulk Hogan. I mean, it's just, uh, it's, it's strange how that works, but uh, both organizations did really well and strived. I don't know what is the correct way of doing it. I know what I like, which, is what you like seeing a babyface chase, but you know it is funny in reflection of how they're doing it today with Roman Reigns, who is a part of the NLOI family, just like The Rock, uh, and that family was very much involved with the Iron Sheik, bringing it back to him, and uh, yeah, just um, I don't know. Let's uh, let, let, let's let's raise a glass to the Iron Sheik. I'm I'm I'm, I'm gonna pour. Even though it's, what time is it? Not even one o'clock. I'm going to pour a little mini shot of whiskey, Chris. You could drink water, or if you're drinking beer, I'm not trying to call you up. 
Um, <laughs> I have my noon beer. All right, we'll, we'll we'll do a nice little nice little shot and toast for the Iron Sheik and a ten second salute. Here we go. Thank you very much, Sheiky baby. Everyone else is jabron. Remember, you wouldn't have jabroni without the Iron Sheik. That's who the Rock got it from. No one knew that. I don't know where the fuck he came up with that concept, but thank you, Iron Sheik. Yeah, I wonder if it started with Sheik not being able to say jobber, so he just started calling people jabroni instead. I hope that's true. <laughs> I've always wondered where Jabroni came from. Uh, that's going to be my version of what happened. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine like someone like be like, "What are you trying to say?" You know, he's a Jabroni. He's a Jabra. The Jabroni. <laughs> uh, I do recommend everyone go watch the Rocks, uh, you know, Instagram and Twitter post about the Iron Sheet, where he tells the story of. You know, his first days in the locker room and the Sheik being like, you look down, you tie your boots, don't worry about everyone else. You'll you'll learn who the real ones are and who the jabronis are, <laughs> which is the catalyst for The Rock calling everyone jabronis throughout his entire run, which is great. Yeah, absolutely. R.I.P. Iron Sheik. So, Chris, we did a massive long episode mostly due to technical issues because of Skype. Thank God didn't happen throughout our, our well, unbeknownst to us, interview uh, with Mr. H. I'm still scared I'm going to say hoax and he's going to correct me. Anyways, um, so we covered... Yeah, uh, we, oh, yeah, yeah, how do you start. feel about that? Are, are, you, are you having, um, like, I don't know. That, that was weird. Yeah, it was strange. I'm starting to think that uh, Mr. H is the reason we had the technical difficulties we had last week. Uh, he is he's hacking the uh, <laughs> he's hacking Skype and Microsoft apparently out there. Uh, really creepy guy, man. I, I definitely don't like the idea of killing all of Georgia Georgia independent wrestling. I mean, makes that's me why I had to say it. Sad. Yeah, I, I, I hope. But you better I hope someone. Man. <laughs> I want Tommy Rich to whoop his ass. If he gets that title, I want Tommy Rich to come out of retirement and whoop his ass. I think he's got it. If not, like I said, Joe Black, everyone else is in like a major organization, but we need to save Georgia. Jonathan Gresham, where you at? You know, we're, we're at threat right now. Hopefully, I said I want him to win, but that was because I'm scared of him. Great. I don't want him to hurt me. Yeah, and we're going to this show, so... Uh, I treaded a little lighter than you did with some of this. I hope this man doesn't get his hands on you. Look, if that happens, I sealed my fate. You know, I, uh, I'll have to deal with it, I guess. Um, but uh, personally, I, I thought he was kind of a kind of a jerk, a little bit, and uh, kind of a kind of a kind of a little scary, a little scary for me. Yeah, definitely a loose fucking cannon, that's for sure. The the idea how he keeps getting these commissioner jobs. It's like Trump being elected as president. It's it's crazy. Crazy to me. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't know. He might trump Trump. He might he might trump that Trump is a hoax. My wordplay is that was terrible. But uh, Nick Halen, come on, man, you got it. I lied. I don't want him to win it. I, I want Georgia wrestling, whether it be at the UWF or Southern Honor Wrestling, to strive. And if this guy's really trying to destroy it, dude, you got to take them out. I, we got to stop talking about this because I'm scared he's about to jump on again. I don't know what's going on. I don't even think that, like, you you, you do programming. I don't think it has anything to do with it. Like, I really feel like Hoax might have some weird abilities that uh, – I'm looking around my room right now, man. Kind of like, is there a camera? Yeah, he, it's, it's a little disturbing how he pops into the show and then began to talk about letting Iron Sheik in through the back door. So I don't know what's with this guy. He's definitely someone to look out for, though. Um, Nick, I'm sending you the best of wishes. I go into that match expecting anything and everything because it, it, I don't trust this guy. <laughs> definitely don't trust this guy. Yeah, we'll we'll be there tomorrow on Sunday to you know cheer you on, Nick, against this madman uh, known as Hoax or Mr. H. What a weird. Okay, I actually shouldn't joke about that. Anyways, um, so we, like I was trying to say though, we we kind of went over most of the stuff from this week. There is two things I definitely want to talk about. One of them, you know, with wrestling, you have the beauty of seeing two wrestlers that you really want to see work together, and they finally are going to get a chance to do that, a la Kazuchika Okada and Brian Danielson. And we talked about that and how excited we are about that, but there's also the other aspect. What would happen, especially let's go a couple of years ago, where AEW was going on at the exact same time that NXT was uh, during the wonderful COVID era, but they were directly back-to-back playing at the same time. And unfortunately, NXT had peaked. They lost a good chunk of people, including Malachi Black, who would go to the main roster to be wasted and then come over to AEW. Velveteen uh, Dream was done no more, outcasted over stuff that, and for me, collecting all that information, I don't think he really did. But uh, he's done. Like, there were so many people that were, like, jumping off. Uh, Johnny Gargano and Tomas Ciampa goes on the main roster. Adam Cole, through the best era of wrestling, was a, con- uh, uh, you know, a constant person within that time period. And, like, early AEW compared to NXT, I would have them both. There would be a time where it's like, oh, okay, like, okay, Adam Cole's coming to interview, mute the other television, and vice versa. Um, so we got to see the meaning, like, and I, I've been wanting this. I think this would help out Adam Cole immensely, even if he doesn't win the title, is a feud against MJF. And we had MJF, came out, called Colorado a bunch of drug addicts, <laughs> uh, just getting as much heat as possible, and basically said, kind of like what Hoax was, you know, insinuating that he was just going to be done with the title because there's no competition for him. And before he can go much further, we hear Adam Cole's music kick in. He comes out. He does this whole entire thing. Before he can do the big, you know, Adam Cole baby in the ring, MJF just cuts that shit off. And 
you know, we have this showdown between what I would say is two of the best people on the mic, Chris. You have MJF, you have Adam Cole. And they're both also excellent in the ring, too. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think this might actually be Adam Cole's. I mean, considering the four, he was in a four-way match with a lot of good wrestlers at the last Forbidden Door. But outside of that, this is going to be the best setup for him. I think him and MJF are going to work great together in the ring. I think those two styles work really well. Um, but yeah, two good, two good people on the mic. Well, one great person and one other really good person on the mic going back and forth. This is good shit. I'm excited for, for this feud. I'm glad we are past the Jericho thing. They did it. It seems like it's done. I'm glad it's done. And, uh, now we're going to move on to MJF versus, uh, versus Adam Cole, which I'm assuming is going to be the forbidden door championship match for AEW. Because otherwise, they're going to have to drag the thing out to Wembley. And I don't know that that's where they're going to go with it, but uh, I'm excited. Starting it out, they're starting it out next week is going to be their match. So I think something's going to go awry, obviously, in that. And then we will either see them have something. I'm assuming there's going to be the big match at Wembley. I'm assuming they're dragging this out. Probably the same way that Cody and Brock Lesnar are dragging their feud out over in WWE. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's fine. I'm, I'm okay with that as well. I, I, if I was doing it that way, I would have Adam Cole win this first match and then lose the title match. At, I would do a title. I would still do a title match at Forbidden Door and then set up your your third best two of three, so to speak, uh, at Wembley. If I was going to do it that way, just so that you have something to kind of build off of. In the past, when they did this with Ricky Starks, they just had Ricky Starks just get straight fucking beat. So I hope they don't go that route. Uh, I have faith in I have faith in it because of the people who are who are involved in the program, and I think that you know Adam Cole coming off an injury, putting him in there with Jericho, they they just they're and Jericho's had some great matches in AEW, so I'm not this is not a shot at Jericho, but those their styles just clashed completely for me. They just look awkward. When those two were wrestling, the the promos and stuff uh, fine, but the the actual match would just look like a cataclysm of bullshit. I also think that Jericho, and I mean, I, I I just think that he's getting older, and I know that he's done a good job of keeping up with some of the younger guys before in the past, but I thought that kind of exposed that maybe you need to try to do less, uh, just a little bit. It's not your fault that you're fucking approaching fifty. I mean. That's, that's, that's life. And he's been a good job. He's been a good, he's done a good job. I will say, especially when he went to new Japan of trading styles, if you will. And then we saw him kind of got on that Lionheart kick and he was trying to do what he did in WCW and early WWE in the fucking late nineties, early two thousands. I think that, uh, between the hardcore elements that didn't work and a lot of the stuff they try to do in the ring, I just think kind of exposed that Jericho might want to probably do less. And they definitely did not compliment each other at all. Yeah. I mean, that's the biggest thing is like, you know, however Jericho tries to adapt the style, the other person has to be willing to change theirs as well for the match to be good. You know what I mean? It's like, you can't go in there and just do all Adam Cole shit when you're Chris Jericho, they, I mean, and they, I thought the reason they booked it the way they did was to protect Jericho. Um, 
and, and you know get give get his comeuppance for everything that happened building up to it. But the match just wasn't very good, man. And that and this is Adam. That was Adam Cole's first big match. I think it hurt it that they decided they needed to do 20 minutes for that match. Um, but I have high hopes for this one because I know how good Adam Cole can be. And MJF, like he said at that press conference, he only has the best matches. They're all five stars, basically. So it should be. Uh, I don't know if I agree with that, but he does have really good matches. I think those two styles will work well together. It will, to me, almost mimic what Adam, the kind of matches Adam Cole was having with Velveteen Dream. Um, though MJF is better in the ring than Velveteen Dream, but I'm assuming they will work a similar styled match. Or, or even Gargano. They had some great fucking matches. I think they'll have, they'll do really well. And I'm glad they kind of brought up some of the stuff that people have been talking about with Adam Cole. <laughs> Through a really fucked up way with MJF, but I'm assuming they probably talked about some of this beforehand. Uh, before just going out and fucking shoot uh, the shots they were doing. But should we go into like some of the, 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 the talking points back and forth between both guys, Chris? Yeah, I would hope at this point anyone who's doing anything kind of <laughs> to the level of what Punk was doing previously, they're at least running this by each other so that we don't get another backstage brawl but yeah i mean these two guys are pros so i'm assuming they talked it out but yeah let's get into it man well and just just to kind of like go off of that it's funny i, I rewatched this thing right before we went on air on youtube on the aw station and it directly made me watch the mjf uh cm punk one where he threw him a bunch of like you know shots if you will uh and I feel like they probably talked about it back then also. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was very similar in uh, concept, if you will. But, yeah, I mean, MJF, what does he do? He, like CM Punk called him out for beforehand, always goes for the low-hanging fruit. So, you know, at first, he builds him up. He talks about very similar. He goes, once Punk, you know, left, I started looking elsewhere in wrestling, and that's when I started noticing – this guy with icy blue eyes and, you know, black hair, long black hair that was a badass and, you know, was, you know, first went to CZW and put his name there and won a championship, then went to Ring of Honor. So I patterned my career that I was starting at that time close to his. I went to CZW and I won gold. And then I went on the independence, became the biggest free agent on the independence as well, like Adam Cole did. And then he's like, and, and then you went to Florida and you shocked the system. And there's no way that anyone could say you weren't the best guy there or one of the, the best, basically, NXT champions, which, I mean, Adam Cole is up there with Finn Balor. And I would say he's, he's probably number one, honestly, for best NXT champs. Um, I'm sure people couldn't argue different people with me with that. I'm not going to give it to Gargano. Sorry, <laughs> I, I would uh, debate I would debate Sami Zayn, but Sami Zayn is definitely a good person to debate that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Sami Zayn's up there. Finn, Sami, Adam Cole, those are your top three. I would I, I would assume, right? Especially when we're talking about credentials of Adam Cole holding it the longest. 
I believe. And I think Finn has had the title the most times. So, and Sammy probably was the most over babyface champion. Yeah, I would say those are your top three, I, w- I would assume, for NXT. Yeah, those would be my top three, as well as, you know, the guys that you just named also had some of the best matches during the the era in which NXT was, you know, cannot miss wrestling for me. Like, that was my favorite show for so long. <laughs> so me too, I'm, man. I'm hoping we get a return to form. I think that they're doing, they're moving in the right direction. They're getting young talent. They're... Uh, their storylines and they're mixing in older talent too. Uh, I'll put over that for NXT, like getting Baron Corbin to go there, you know, Mustafa Ali, you know, and now they they look like they're taking the women's titles and just making one. So that will be traveling between all three companies. Um, I, I don't think it'll ever be the same though. (laughs) Unfortunately, the COVID era and having it go right against AEW killed NXT for the most part. Yeah, that and moving it to an actual, instead of it being uh, filmed, they moved it to a live show, which I don't think did it a ton of favors. It killed some of no. the stuff they were doing. Um, there's a there's a, a lot of factors of why NXT is very different than what it was. I think it's good, you know, there's good and bad with that because it, when they were running house shows and doing that, these people were getting chances to perform in front of various live audiences uh, and, and adapt and adjust their skills. But the other thing about NXT is it was just a fucking Ring of Honor roster there for a while. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> they signed all the good people from Ring of Honor and evolved it's- and made a, made a roster, whereas now they're actually having to develop a roster um, it's so. like uh, J- Jim Cornette's era that he was in charge of Ring of Honor just went to Florida, basically. <laughs> yeah, a lot of those guys involved did the same thing afterwards. Right, and most of the people that came, the two top people that came, well, the three top people that came from Evolve, they're all in fucking, the, they're all on the main roster now. So they didn't even stick mm-hmm. around too long in NXT to kind of have those runs. Like, look at your Austin Theories, your... Uh, Matt Riddle's, your Shotzi Blackhearts, they all kind of got elevated almost immediately from NXT. So it has become more of a training ground, and it is good. They're sending people like Baron Corbin down there to work with these guys who do have a wealth of knowledge. And like me and you've said in the past, Baron's like good in the ring. The problem is, is like his character and constantly switching. It's almost like the big show thing, right? Like He got his – no, he is the big show because last night on SmackDown, he has a match – uh, I think it was a qualifying match. What the hell was he going against? But he literally got, since he's called out um, the NXT champion, oh, oh God damn it, why can't I remember his name? Uh, Carmelo Hayes. He was in the audience with Trick Williams, um, and he loses his chance to get into Money in the Bank because of his own bullshit, you know, provoking what's going on with Trick and Carmelo in the, you know, uh, Right behind the fucking announcers, they're, they're talking shit to him. He's talking shit. He gets rolled up, done. And then he goes in the back, and he gets first, like, you know, gets in the face of, oh, that's right, Peter Dune. Pete Dunne beat him to be a part of that Money in the Bank challenge. So he's in the back, bitching at the bra- brawling brutes, and they're telling him to fuck off. And uh, whatchamacallit, uh, god damn it, um... 
what the hell's that long-haired son of a bitch from NXT? He's crazy. He's <laughs> like, uh, God damn it. Why the hell can't Oh, man. Uh, kiss my grits. I can't think of his. Yeah. I can't what think the of fuck? his. He, now. he fucking knocked his ass out from behind. So it's like, why the hell can't I remember his name? Uh, I love this dude. And he's doing great right now. As, oh, my God. Cameron Grimes. Thank you. Thank you. Cameron Grimes. Took me in the, oh. <laughs> no, you're good. He elbows him in the back of the head and lays him out like a little bitch. And it's like all the people he's been feuding with from different companies <laughs> all just pissed on Baron Corbin. So hopefully uh, he can pick himself back up is what I'm saying. So I – NXT is doing this weird thing where they're, you know, with bringing these guys in, they, in the one segment they had Baron Corbin, they set up like three fucking feuds on NXT. So he calls out Carmelo Hayes. Ilya Dragunov comes out to answer him. Dragunov and Baron Corbin, or not Baron Corbin, uh, Brock, uh, what was it? It's fucking Steiner's kid. Braun (laughs) Breaker. Attacks. Braun Steiner. Yeah. And then out of nowhere, Trick Williams attacks this guy. So then the match is Trick Williams versus Baron Corbin, which you would think, okay, they're going to do that feud with him and Carmelo, right? Which would be, should be a good match once they get there. But then they do this on SmackDown and set up something with him and Cameron Grimes at the same time. So technically. Well, no, Cameron Grimes knocked him out before he went to NXT. He was talking shit. Cameron Grimes had his first match on SmackDown, and he did the caveman right away, one, two, three, in like less than five seconds and beat Baron Corbin. So how the hell am I supposed to take Baron Corbin seriously when he's jumping from place to place? And honestly, what the fuck is Braun Breaker or Ilya Dragunov still doing in NXT? Either of them. I don't know. I thought this might, if you were going to do this spot, I thought it might be one of the, I thought it might be Ilya more so than like Carmelo and Trick. But yeah, he has this match with Trick Williams on, I don't know if you saw NXT this week, but he had a match with Trick Williams and Baron Corbin. Every time Trick Williams throws a fucking punch, Corbin's getting his hands up. He does not trust this guy at all (laughs) to not just dome him basically. Uh, tr- terrible. It's a lot of work. <laughs> I think he's a great personality, but man, he is not. He is definitely exactly. Not. No, you hit the fucking thing right on the fucking dome. He's a great personality, and he has a lot of potential when it comes to that aspect. But he is terrible in the right. He's greener than fucking goose shit. Yeah. So Barry Corbin's trying to fucking work this match with Trick Williams. <laughs> And uh, it was bad, but not because of Baron Corbin. I mean, that, that's why they send people like him down there, Dolph Ziggler and Natalia. That's the only way these cats are going to hey, be hey, you know. AW, any of you guys that are coming up? End of days. It's only done by Baron Corbin. Why don't you try to do it? What do you say? Um... Everything's redone fucking 50 million ways nowadays. Like, it's a, it's a pretty good finisher. Since Baron Corbin's going to be shit upon constantly, it seems, uh, maybe someone else uh, adapts that finisher for themselves. That's all I'm saying. I don't know. I mean, 
I could see him having a good run in NXT if they want to do that. Like if they want to have him beat Carmelo for the title, he's a great, he you know he never got the NXT championship run. They called him up before. Oh, I would love that. Do you think that's going to happen though, Chris? No, because they continuously disappointed me when they, the only person that's really gotten a title run when they were sent down was uh, Dolph Ziggler. So, I mean, it's, it's possible. Balor actually got a year. For champion, almost. Yeah. Okay. I forgot about Balor because he had just came back. Didn't he just come back from injury though, and then was there there again? Yeah, he, he came in, beat. Uh, um, what the fuck did he beat? I don't remember. But had that championship as like a heel. I'm not gonna say it was good. It really wasn't. But at least Finn Balor's had three title. Uh, they demasculated the shit out of Finn Balor. Can we talk about that on uh, Raw when when Seth Rollins is like, "All right, man, I'll I'll have this title probably longer than that guy," you know? Damn. Yeah. Did we did we actually talk about the? Uh, maybe we talked about it offline. I can't remember, but I that fucking the entire promo around that was it's more setting up a feud with. I don't. It's more setting Damian up and Finn, dispute. right? Damien and Finn, and Seth is, you know, Seth is Seth. Whatever. I've already bitched about his character enough. Like, it, he's great in the ring. I like Seth a lot as a wrestler, but like the uh, the gimmick to me is still not working. I don't give a single fuck about his entrance music. That does nothing for me. Uh, as far as him as a wrestler, he's great, but he's he does the same spot <laughs> he did to Finn Balor to injure Finn Balor, right? Because he's provoking. He did it to Damian Priest. He does it to Damian Priest, who already has a fucked up, like has had shoulder and arm surgery before, if I'm remembering correctly. He does it, and they, he fucking kills the guy with it. <laughs> like, it looked terrible. It looked fucking brutal. And, you know, if you're Finn Balor, even though you were told to stay in the back, it's like Seth is directly – so for that part of his character, you know, he put that in Finn's head to cause the dissension – but they're not going to play into that because the next thing for Seth, he's just going to completely forget about all this for the most part. You know what I mean? Like if they were playing in that it's Seth's character, he knew what he was doing. Like he's like Triple H, he's the game kind of thing. But I don't think they're going to do that. So it's just literally kicking off dissension between uh, fucking Backlash or whatever the fuck their team name is. I really feel though, honestly, there's a good possibility that Either Finn, because of that, or Damian, because of that, will inevitably take that title off of Seth Rollins. I, I mean, Damian wouldn't be a bad person. I, I think he's going to do better as a babyface chasing, who's ousted from this group. I do think that if you're going to keep this group together, you need to find one other person. Because I would think that you know, if Finn's constantly getting his ass beat by three people... I'm assuming that that's going to lead to Bullet Club. Him, AJ, and Anderson and Gallows, right? Yeah, they're on SmackDown, but I mean, Finn could go over if they're going to try to. Well, actually, don't try to do anything. You guys just fucking have people hang out and come <laughs> into the situation. Like with AJ. I mean, I like we talked about it, but still, it's like, okay, I understand. AJ had a great match with Seth. 
and they're back in whatever. And AJ inevitably is trying to just come out and tell Seth he's a badass and he beat him and respect, basically. A little bit of that from, even though AJ's done that to Seth back in fucking Ring of Honor back in the day. Um, and then inevitably, because of shit talking, you have a tag match. And they try to make, you know, um, what the hell, what, what's the commissioner, uh, Pierce? Uh, I can't think of his first name. Adam Pierce. Adam Pierce. He calls and he, it sounds like he's talking directly to Vince. And, you know, someone's, you know, like, well, sir, can we please just have him part of this tag match? You know. It, that was directly after the fucking draft, man. I mean, is anyone going to talk about that? Uh, yeah, and I mean that's why when I when I said set up the way they did, I didn't even think about the fucking brand split because they're gonna once we get past Money in the Bank, that shit's gonna go out the window anyways because it does every year. I do like that they had a they at least made a phone call. You know what I mean? Like that. That's why I'm saying yeah. just do trades. Like set it up. Like so how do you feel? Trade talent. How do you feel about? All right, so now they've established. Seth, with this new championship belt, um, they gave Roman a belt to combine the Universal and WWE Championship. It's all one, which was really fucking pointless back in the day. Because <laughs> So Vince did not want the lineage of the NWA WCW title, the big gold belt, have anything to do with in the future. So he made the Universal belt, and he had the WWE title. So... This belt is now combined, and they brought back out the world title for Seth Rollins, which is very similar, but just a toy, basically, with the WWE logo. And then we have now the Universal combined into it. Honestly, universe over world. I mean, we can just look at it that way. But now, so Asuka got her new title last night. It's probably going to be Rhea Ripley on Monday with a new women's world title to establish them. We have the women's tag titles with NXT and the main roster that are going to be in, you know, to combined in one match. Um, I feel like they're doing a good job of trying to clean up stuff, but at the same time, it's like, I don't know. How do you, how do you feel about all this type of stuff, Chris? It's, I mean, it's hard when you do this brand split thing because you're going to get pressure from the network who wants to see certain matches and certain stars. You also are going to have injuries. You're going to have storylines that need to intertwine because they work really brand split. The, the thing is, is because you haven't kept the brand split, it becomes harder because people are expecting that you're going to have overcrossing storylines anyways. And this is the exact complaint I'm going to have if they do this in AEW. If, if WWE, this $6 billion company, can't figure it out with the amount of fucking writers and people they have working on the show, I, I have little faith that AEW is going to be able to figure it out. I think they're doing a better job of cleaning it up. They're still making it way too hard. If you had two commissioners in place and you wanted to do this, you could just trade talent, right? Like you could, you could actually show them on screen for fucking one minute doing the phone call thing, and then it's easier. I like their combining belts so that you have some traveling belts, you know. Uh, as far as 
Seth having his own individual belt, to me, it just kind of killed what Roman was doing. You just, or you basically just created a title. So the title that Seth has doesn't mean anything at all. It's just a like you the said, title that Seth has is basically the Intercontinental Belt, right? Which they already have, and a guy that's going on a historic what? streak with it. Yeah, exactly. From a guy that's doing better than the fucking world champion. I mean, do they not understand the universe is bigger than the uh, than the world? I mean, be cool. so it's 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 just a, it's a weird thing, and it, it immediately when they presented him that belt, and I saw it, I was like. For whatever reason, I like to think about is that episode of Heels where they present that fucking LED title (laughs) or whatever, and he gets on the plane and does the Ric Flair thing. Remember remember that? I was like, I hope Seth did that. (laughs) Because it looks goofy. He did the Becky. (laughs) But, I mean, they're trying, man. It's it. The brand split thing, I just don't I, – I get it. It's better for the wrestlers. There's not as much travel and shit. But if you're always going to have them crossing over anyways, I don't, I don't see the benefit of the brand split in general. Yeah. There's only one tag team championship, so they get to travel both places. Uh, there's only one U.S. champion, Austin Theory. There's only one Intercontinental champion, you know, which is Gunther. Um so the women's tab belts will go between all brands once they have this match. And then you have the tag belts that are still held by one group that are still separated. And you also have the NXT tag champions. And they also they announced, Chris, that more of the reason Carmelo's in the audience is because the <laughs> uh, – I don't see him really actually doing this. Uh, the the money in the bank can be for any of the titles. So you can go for the SmackDown, Raw, or NXT champion, men's or women's. The only way I could see that working is if you do something similar to they do in the G1, where like Asuka's like, fuck it, I'll win the money in the bank, right? And then no one can challenge me for the title. I, I, I can pick my own challenge. I can go win another title. But it's WWE, so they're not going to do that. Like, the whole point of, like, the champion entering the gym. No, she's not in it. That's what I'm saying. That, that That's the only reason you would make it for all titles. Like, because who's going to pick a lesser title, right? Like, I know that NXT's there, but <laughs> that would be kind of a dumb career move. That'd be like if you got to the major leagues and they're like, all right, you get to pick what team you want to play for. And you're like, I'm going to play for the, you know, Gwinnett County Stripers. Go to the minor leagues. Exactly. Yeah, it doesn't make much sense at all. But what are you going to do? Um, but do, do I you feel like saying though about the G one, like, yeah. did it? If they did it like that, then there is a reason why someone might challenge for the NXT title. So, like, you could tell that storyline with Oscar because she's the longest reigning women's champion with the NXT title. Maybe she just wants the fucking belt back. So you can have the champion win and then do some matches on NXT or whatever, um, or just do one match on NXT, and that would really put over whoever their women's champion is if they beat Asuka. And then that sets up matches going forward. But see, they don't like they're, they don't think that stuff through that hard, unfortunately. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
Yeah, it's crazy. Do you, uh, did we ever actually officially like finish the Adam Cole MJF interview thing? Uh, we more talked about how good they were. The, the promo itself was good, and you went through what MJF had to say and what Adam Cole was saying, uh, and then we kind of got sidetracked. Okay, so I definitely <laughs> mentioned like their back and forth, right? Yes, for sure. You said it. It, it was it was kind of like uh, CM Punk and MJF and the way that MJF is selling. Hey, I was a huge fan of yours, and now look at me. I'm better than you. Suck it, nerd. Basically. Well, I I just loved also Adam Cole's response. From that whole entire thing, because like, you know, you have MJF. He called him like the Panama. Used to be the Panama City bad boy, and now you look like a crack whore. And not like not only like you know, just going back into it, like not only the the compl- everything that like people have been saying, especially Jim Cornette about Adam Cole, like what the fuck happened? Your physique's not as good, you know. You look whiter than a ghost. You're not even like trying to dance. He went for the low hanging fruit, but like Adam Cole, and also said that like you know his balls are in Britt Baker's purse. And then Adam Cole's response is like, really? That that was it? That that that's what he gave me? Like, and how I was like you know comparing it with like CM Punk is like it was very much like a CM Punk was like, like man, you disappointed me, like. You just went for everything that everyone knows and you fucking talked about it like, you know, just just talking shit from Adam Adam Cole's like, you know, standpoint. And he actually said, and I don't know if this is a good idea, I doubt MJF's on the gas, but like him insinuating, he's like, Oh, and since you're obsessed with my body, you should be actually obsessed mainly with my body of work, because you'll never fucking have that. And honestly, MJF, you know, Max, if you want to go in the back and piss in a cup, we'll find out who's more natural when it comes to body. And MJF, like, kind of, like, the fuck? Like, you know, pulling back from it. And Adam Cole, it's like I was actually sympathetic towards Adam Cole, and then he had it. And he fucking annihilated MJF with so much shit, just cutting into him. And uh, I'm really just to end what we were talking about, you know, originally. I'm very much looking forward to Adam Cole MJF going forward. I know that we went on a little bit of a tangent with NXT, and then so far, whatever. But when it comes back to this, the fact that M- like. The fact that MJF had me, I was like, God damn, man, how are you going to do that to Adam Cole? And then he comes on the mic and fucking just obliterates him. And it's so equal in concept. You're like, all right, this is going to happen. And if any of y'all motherfuckers out there have not checked it out, I will actually recommend to go to AEW's YouTube station. And it's a couple, couple things down, a couple videos down. And you can have that verbal altercation. Yeah, to me, it was the best thing on the show. And I'm looking forward to this match and this feud. And as far as like Adam, it is kind of low hanging fruit to ball on Adam Cole's fruit. The guy that hasn't been able to work out or do anything for basically a year because of concussion syndrome. It's kind of a shitty thing. 
<laughs> to point out. So when he fired back with a steroid allegation, that was good shit. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty good shit, honestly. Uh, but yeah, I, I did. I did definitely fall for the uh, the heat on that when he started commenting on Adam Cole's physique and, and how he looks. Because I mean, the guy just came out off of a major injury what three months ago at this point, and the kind of injury that you can't be out there, you know, getting in the best shape of your life because like you, sometimes you can't even get out of bed. If you've heard Adam Cole talk about it um, in that podcast he did, it's you know, CTE's real, bruh. All right, so last question about this before we move on to some of the bloodline stuff that happened last night on SmackDown. Um, is there a possibility that we will see the reforming of, can't call it the Undisputed Era, but all four of them in the ring together, helping out Adam Cole against MJF? And if that happens, Chris, do you think that MJF might try to find a new pinnacle? makes you wonder what this bullet club gold thing is that would be so cool if jay white and fucking juice robinson help out mjf and M- mjf is officially bullet club gold uh which is basically Wolfpack at this point because david finley's well, i can't even blame david finley new japan's mad that they're trying to keep on doing that in AEW. I don't even know. Yeah, when they announced the name, I was like, I didn't think about it like NWO Red and Black. I thought about it like New Japan Gold. They're going to go get all the fucking gold. Right? So I assume you, got, that you, you could do that. Two, three great wrestlers to be a part of that, man. Yeah, so if he if he if MJF needed a group, that would probably be the way I would go. I thought when they were starting to build out the undisputed area, it was going to be setting up for Blackpool Combat Club, not necessarily uh, whatever MJF's doing. They seem to keep him on his own island. Would it be an island of relevancy to bring us <laughs> into the last topic? Yes. So last last night um, on SmackDown. I mean, the biggest thing that happened, I would say. No Roman Reigns, more still with the Bloodline story, this wonderful play that we get to see every week on SmackDown. Uh, right at the beginning, Solo and um, Paul Heyman come out, and they're talking, and before Paul Heyman can even say, My name is Paul! He gets cut off by the Usos music. Jay Uso comes out, main event Jay Uso. And, you know, Paul's just talking in his ear. The whole entire concept of this, where's Jay going to go at the end of the night? And uh, Paul tells him that he has Jay a U.S. title match at the end of the night with Austin Theory. And um, Jay's actually really excited about it and, you know, is down for it. They have the match at the end of the night. Um, there is a ref bump, pretty deadly, comes in and helps out Austin Theory like they normally do. Out comes Jimmy Uso, who has not been there the whole entire night. Uh, Jimmy is trying to help even the odds. Solo gets involved and goes to take out Jimmy. Jimmy goes to give him a super kick. Solo ducks. He hits his brother, Jey Uso, in the face, causing him to match. And afterwards... 
Jimmy is just beside himself. He's apologizing, saying, I didn't mean to kick you to Jay. And Jay's pissed. And he pushes him away. He rolls out of the ring to be up the ramp with Paul Heyman and Sola Sokoa uh, that he doesn't know try to intervene in his match to begin with against Jimmy. Uh, and Paul Heyman, you know, of course, calls Roman Reigns or tells his cell phone to call Roman Reigns and is chatting with him, you know, as they leave the arena, living, leaving Jimmy by himself in the ring. And that was it. This is dramatic stuff, man. It is. And do you think they just go... Do you think you just go, or are they going to go back to the well and do like a three-way match or a trios tag match with Jimmy having to kind of suck up to Kevin and Sammy to go against the bloodline? Is that what they're setting up here? Or are we going to get some kind of resolution before then? I don't know. Definitely possibly, but Jay's always seemed to me, and I mean, he really shined in the pandemic era as just being this great guy when they first initiated this. And he was the opposing person against Roman that wouldn't warm up to him. Um, and I feel we've had one hell of a journey with Jay, but I, I don't know if he, he basically told fucking Paul Heyman that if he becomes a tribal chief, which is what he was insinuating that after Roman, you know, Jay's going to be the next choice as tribal chief and whatever. And he goes, all right, well, if I'm going to be tribal chief, I'm going to let you know as soon as that happens, you're fucking gone. So I, I, I don't know exactly where his loyalty lies. I know he's mad at Jimmy, but we could definitely see a three on three. We also had the fucking um, KO and Sammy completely bombarded by what was it? It was LWO. It was Street Profits. It was the Brawling Brutes and uh, Pretty Deadly all wanting a tag match. And fucking Kevin Owen, Kevin, Kevin Owen, Kevin Owens uh, doing, all I can say is like very Roddy Roddy Piper. That's, that's exactly how I perceive it. Just freaking the fuck out and telling people to like back the fuck up and telling Paul, telling uh, Adam Pierce not to touch him and shit like that. Like, I don't know what's going on with them, but they're they're still a part of the storyline. I mean, Sammy tried to talk to Jay right before that, so who knows? Uh, all I gotta say is, man, the storyline's doing good. Storyline's doing good. Keep on fucking doing it, man. And I he, feel like even though people are mad that he didn't get the title, Cody's doing his own storyline, broken off of that now on Raw. That's becoming the thing to watch. Uh, besides your champions. Uh, so, you know, that's what happens. Uh, WWE not pulling the trigger on the Cody stuff has been good so far, man. They, you know, they've built a good storyline with him and Brock. I just didn't know where they would go with Cody after he didn't win the title. Uh, but if he wins the, if he, if we go back in time and he does win the title, I don't think we're getting the same and you're doing the brand split right after. Now we have kind of good content on both shows so in retrospect, you know, I kind of buried the fact that Sammy didn't win and then Cody didn't win, but it, it, you know, they've proved me wrong 
on that because it does seem to still be working. At least so far. <laughs> yes, at least so far. But it, it does seem to be working, and you know they're eventually going to get to Cody versus Roman at some point. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, I don't know. It's good shit. It continues to be good stuff. Uh, Kevin Owens is seems reinvigorated, honestly, because they you know, beat him. They beat him. They beat him. He gets these two titles, and he's uh, all of a sudden he's just going batshit on everyone, which is great. I love that Sammy was like, Kevin, come on, man, your blood pressure. And he's like, he's turning beet red, yelling at everyone to get the fuck out of his locker room. Like, you know, he's feeling claustrophobic, basically. He literally, he literally shoved fucking Adam Pierce out of like his way. He's like, I can't see people. (laughs) 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 Kevin is so fucking, Kevin and Sammy are so fucking good. Um, It's it's great. I, I'm still, you know, we know what's eventually going to happen. Is we, We're already seeing Kevin start to lose his mind. So Sammy is probably in for a powerbomb on the, <laughs> the edge of the ring. They haven't done that in a while. Uh, I'm sure Sammy's back is okay to do it again. You know, it's going to happen, though. Definitely yeah. is. Yeah, they're building it. They're building it by making, and they're doing it differently this time. <laughs> the slow descension into madness that is Kevin Owens. He he did the same shit uh, in before that Walter match as well. Like he just he's losing his mind now that he's got a title. It's kind of out of nowhere, but it's it is great. <laughs> Kevin Owens, like you said, it is very Roddy Piper, uh, which is a Kevin Owens I haven't seen really. So it's it's been fun. Uh, they did just throw like a bunch of fucking jobbers in there to ch- challenge for the title, though. Like, uh, no, none of those tag teams are really believable as being able to beat Kevin Owens or, or Sami Zayn for the title. That that's just an overall generalization of their tag division, though. That doesn't really have anything to do with the wrestlers involved. No, absolutely not. Yeah, uh, Kevin Owens, and also, just to say that, as much as what I was saying about two guys on a promo randomly happened with Adam Cole and MJF, and I think we did talk about it a little bit, that match with fucking Kevin Owens and Walter, uh, a.k.a. Gunther, was awesome. And uh, hearing Bully Ray not only put it over, but talking about the difference between Registering a punch and, you know, uh, actually, um, the hell's the word? Uh, oh, wow. A uh, wrestling word when you're, you get hit selling. and you act selling, registering selling, how that both guys at first were like just registering, like one would nail and like, dude, Kevin Owens went into that, like, all right, you're going to fucking chop me. And he's just nailing him in the face. Like, you know, the forehead basically like up on the top of the dome, but just hitting him and setting the, (laughs) all right, so I'm going to lose and you're going to chop the shit out of me, but we're going to beat the fuck out of each other. Uh, very much like, like Seamus or, or other wrestlers to that caliber with Gunther. And it was awesome. Uh, and the way that Kevin Owens lost, um, you know, involving the distraction, getting the dreaded roll up, um, it worked and kind of saved him. He's still a champ, but 
I want to see another match with those two motherfuckers. And if anyone's wondering, like I said, if I didn't say it on the five-hour fucking long version of our other show, <laughs> um, registering basically means, like, if someone slaps you in the face, you're going to be like, what the fuck? Like, you know, you're going to react to it, but it doesn't, like, put you on your knees. If they crank up and do it as hard as they can and try to knock you out, you're going to be selling. You're going to be like, whoa, like, you know, on your ass. And both of those guys were great throughout that match at that aspect. So good job, Kevin Owens and Gunther. Yeah, I hope they keep that one in their back pocket because if Kevin turns on Sammy, they lose the titles or whatever, and you still have this crazy-ass version of Kevin Owens, that's someone believable that could actually take the title off Gunther. So I, I, I hope that they kind of keep that in their back pocket. Me too. I definitely do. But um, anything else to talk about before we get out of here, Chris? We've had a crazy-ass interview, Iron Sheik, uh, tribute, um, and a lot of stuff that happened besides all the other stuff that we covered from our last episode. Nothing I can think of. Is there an impact pay-per-view tonight? Or was it uh, – did they do something? Did they? I think that there may have been an impact pay-per-view. Am I crazy? You're probably not. I'll, I'll check. Uh, there was one two weeks ago, obviously, the one that we covered last, Under Siege, I believe. But uh, who knows? I'll be excited if that's the case because I am definitely enjoying Impact. So. Yeah, I know that there's uh, – I think Okada is doing some stuff in Noah again, which is going to be interesting. World Traveler Okada. But outside of that, man, I don't really have any other – I can't think of anything else that we didn't cover on the six-hour show before the show, <laughs> if I'm being honest. <laughs> All right. Well, plug whatever you'd like to plug and say goodbye to the lovely people. Goodbye, all you lovely people. If you want to talk to me on Twitter, it's at Chris R. Patton. On Facebook, Instagram, Christopher.R.Patton. Uh, if you guys are going to be near Colbert, Georgia, which is outside of Athens, come see us. We're going to be hanging out. It's going to be a fun time. 4.30 UWF Arena. Go see what this madman, Mr. H, has got going on. Absolutely. Yes, UWF presents Fighting Spirit at the UWF Arena. That is 6687 Highway 72 West, Colbert, Georgia. Tomorrow on Sunday, June 11th at 4.30 I don't know if that's doors open or if the show starts, but be there for four to meet up with us. If you'd like to hang out with me and uh, Chris, we'll be there. Uh, the main event, like we said, that crazy guy, Mr. H, a.k.a. Hoax, going against the UWF heavyweight champion, Nick Halen, and a lot more matches on the card, but check that stuff out online. Definitely be there. You guys can find me at DaneAlves42 on Twitter or DaneAlves, when I say Alves, A-L-V-E-S, V as in Victor, on Facebook and also Instagram. Message me. We'll talk about wrestling, and it'll be a lot of fun. But y'all have a great weekend. Hope to see you at the show tomorrow, especially to boo that crazy, spooky dude, Mr. H, a.k.a. Hoax. Let the Wrestling Geek Alliance be with you, and as always...
Peace out.